Welcome to Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. From fashion, beauty and homeware, myself, Grace Hill, will be chatting to leading experts in the industry to shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. In an age of diversity, the lingerie industry has seen a significant shift over the past few years. Gen Z approved DTC brands like Skims, Savage by Fenty have disrupted the space, gunning for market share from legacy players. In 2020, both Misguided and Zara emerged as new players in this space too. Misguided launched its However You Nude campaign, including loungewear, shapewear, and underwear in eight shades, and with sizes ranging from a size four to a 24. Silhouettes, we've seen them evolve from super sexy with the Victoria's Secret aesthetic of the 90s and noughties to comfort being at their core, which has been further accelerated by the pandemic. And nude shades, they don't just cover one skin tone. And there's now greater emphasis placed on catering to all genders and body types. What also I personally think makes this category really interesting is its pricing. So with the growing frugality from the pandemic economy, many major brands could be tempted or would be tempted to slash prices to be more competitive. However, in actuality, what we've seen is the contrary. Brands have elevated their advertised price points of lingerie, protecting their margins and reflecting the lingerie's market's strength in this challenging climate. Like all categories experiencing an inclusive and sustainable overhaul, strides have been made, but there is still a long way to go, with only 7% of underwear being described with sustainable attributes. It's something brands competing in this space can no longer ignore if they want to remain relevant. Today, underwear makes up 6% of women's wear products currently retailing online across the US and UK markets combined, which to all of you listening might seem very small. But when you take that to a global scale, it's expected to hit $250 billion by 2020, according to Allied Market Research, which makes owning that 6% of that market really worth it. So that's why we are excited to speak to a global leader in the market. Marks and Spencers holds a 37.5% share of the UK market, according to Kantar World Panel Report that was published in September 2020. So on today's podcast, we have Susie Jenkinson, who has worked at M&S for over 27 years. And in her role as head of lingerie design, she is responsible for setting design direction and overseeing the product development from the end-to-end process. Welcome to Unedited, Susie. We are thrilled to have you. How are you doing? Oh, well, I'm great. Thank you very much, Grace. I'm actually thrilled to be able to spend some time with you talking all things laundry. It's my favourite subject. (laughs) Amazing. And from what you were hearing from me earlier, one of mine too. So I'm very much looking forward to this. So it's safe to say you're not only an expert in this field, but a legend. Being at the helm of the largest lingerie brand in the country, a stat for all of our listeners, in case you didn't know, one in three British women buy their bras at M&S, including myself. So it'd be great to hear more about your career and how this particular industry has evolved you know, over that time. 
Well, I mean, gosh, you use the word legend. That's that's quite a big word. <laughs> it's and true, what though. <laughs> what I would say is that, I mean, I have to say, I feel really proud and really privileged to have held, you know, the role of head of design for Londre for, well, probably about 24 of those 27 years that I've worked mm-hmm. at m actually. That, uh, you know, that is quite a weight of responsibility because, as you say, you know, British women, women in the UK just love M&S bras. So, you know, I don't take that responsibility lightly, but actually it's all about teamwork. And I think, you know, I work with the most amazing team of experts. And for me, it's about setting the design direction and making sure that we are listening to our customers, looking forward and, you know, very much in tune with what's going on in the industry in terms of new developments and bringing products to market that, you know, customers will absolutely love and cherish, you know, quality, beautiful products that our customers will love. But when it comes to sort of my career, actually, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't plan to be a lingerie designer. That was never my background <laughs> at all. I grew up in little seaside town in Norfolk, and I was always incredibly passionate about being a fashion designer. So I put all of my energy into getting to art college. I did a foundation course uh, back in Norfolk, and then I moved to Kingston to do a fashion degree actually which was amazing because it was a fantastic college with amazing lecturers who really gave you the scope to have lots of contact with industry lots of contact with a variety of different uh, product categories everything from footwear to clothing to outerwear to swimwear so you really did touch a, a huge amount of variety of product types and we got a lot of feedback from industry sponsors as well which was really valuable when you're a student to really understand you know what industry is looking for so when I left college I felt really quite rounded and that I could you know take my skill and my expertise at the early stage of my career into anything and actually my first role was working in loungewear and leisurewear actually which is you know what goes around comes around (laughs) that's now one of the hottest categories on the block right Um, I've worked in in manufacturing and I also worked on the retail side in design for a variety of companies before actually coming to M&S to do someone a favour to do lingerie (laughs) and actually the, 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 the honest truth is that I fell in love with the people and I fell in love with the product and I felt that what fired my passion I suppose on the product was the fact that it was a combination of style and you know femininity and amazing detail attention to detail but also innovation and performance and kind of science and I've always said you know lingerie is a combination of style and science together the two things have to work hand in hand and that really did inspire me to go you know forth with my career in terms of you know really carving out a career in in lingerie and fast forward 27 years you know still very much in love with the category, you know, loving it when we get amazing feedback from our customers and actually, you know, made some amazing friends and colleagues along the way within the industry too. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a complete accident, but, you know, I'm really, really proud to be part of what is a really special industry, quite frankly. Absolutely. And I feel like it's so interesting that you talk about the fact that you actually started your career out in loungewear and how that you know, industry has evolved. I mean, out of curiosity, what was what was the trending product back then? Like, what were people wanting to, uh, to wear? <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting because I don't think the category was called. I mean, the category didn't exist. Lounge red didn't really exist, exist at that point back yeah. in. 
I think 1990, my first sort of full-time role, yeah. I think it was much more called leisure wear at that leisure time. Wear. But but actually, you know what? Some of the categories were absolutely very, you know, were so similar. So big t-shirts, cycle pants. Yeah. Actually, I think I think I hold the claim to fame for actually managing to get the very first grey mole hoodie into Marks and Spencer stores very back in the early 90s. Oh, so, wow. So it was just the start, I guess, of that whole casualization sure. of what's happened, you know, many years later in the industry and is now really commonplace. Um, and one of when I joined M&S, actually, I, we had a very small range that we created, which was called Relax at Home. And that was the very first sort of entree into the whole loungewear category, which was growing, you know, off the fact that people's lifestyles even then were changing and people were, you know, were cherishing, you know, having more time at home with a really heavy work agenda. So yeah, but fast forward, loungewear these days, you know, is a huge category yeah. still in growth. And, you know, there are so many more new looks and feels and, and exciting fabrics that we, you know, are able to use and develop to really bring, you know, breathe new life into that category. And like, as you said, it is such a innovative and exciting space right now. And, and we're going to get onto that, which will be really exciting to kind of pick your brains. And one thing I guess I wasn't as familiar with, with lingerie underwear, having never worked specifically in those categories was again, how technical, how many components are required, as you said, the science that goes behind it. So could you maybe explain for our listeners the nuances of lingerie product development, maybe versus typical fashion apparel? Yeah, I mean, it's complex. Lingerie is a very complex product. I mean, I you know, always think that it's easy to look at a product and think it just appears from nowhere. But actually, when you so, but every single thing that a customer looks at has been designed and developed by, you know, a really talented team, whether it's a really simple notebook, or whether it's a piece of clothing, or whether it's a bra. And I think when it comes to, you know, the complexity of bras, for an example, versus a T-shirt, mm-hmm. and I'm using ex- you know extremes to really yeah. uh, demonstrate the case. You know, a T-shirt is a cut and sew product, probably a front, a back, two sleeves, maybe a collar. You know, that is it. Probably made of the same fabric, so a really relatively straightforward development process. And although you know shapes and styles may change, it might be cropped, it might be oversized, it might be longer length. You know, the block for a, for a, a t-shirt is pretty standard. When it comes to bras, actually, the complexity of development is very varied because we have to, first and foremost, it has to fit. There is absolutely you know, what? no way as a woman that you want to, that you, your go-to bra is something that you pull out of your underwear drawer and it feels uncomfortable, you know, within five minutes of wearing. I mean, that is the one that goes right at the back of your underwear <laughs> drawer, for sure. So the very first thing we have to think about is about how we're going to make those garments fit and feel incredibly comfortable. And we, so selection of fabrics, selection of components is really, really critical. And if I say that, you know, an average bra can use between 20 and 30 components, depending on the design, every single single one of those has to be 
considered to make the 3D design really, you know, fit for purpose. And not only that, we've got to make it look beautiful, of course, and feminine and effortless, you know, using laces or embroideries and straps and elastics and hooks and eyes and all of those fabrics have to be, and component parts have to be sourced and often developed from scratch. The second thing is the size complexity. So in Marks and Spencer, in our largest ranges, from a bra point of view, we actually start at an A cup and we go all the way through to an H cup. And in some of our major ranges, actually, we have 70 bra sizes when you combine cup and back sizes. So for a designer and and a lot of designers, you know, have and quite strong technical skills as well. That's very important. Mm-hmm. And at Marks & Spencer, we have an amazing technical team that our designers work hand-in-hand hand with to develop those products, not just with a smaller size, but also thinking about how the aesthetics and support is going to work all the way through the size range. So it doesn't feel like you know any size is compromised, every size and therefore every customer gets the best possible fit and the best possible aesthetic. It's a complex product to develop. And of course, you know, what's happened recently is that there's been a big trend towards non-wired product too. So where, you know, wired products were becoming mainstream in the 1950s, for an example, Mm -hmm. you know, not a lot has changed in the way that bras have been constructed. But in the last 10 years or so, there's been a massive trend towards bralettes, towards non-wired bras, lots of innovation in that space as well. And so again, it kind of goes back to my you know, style and science philosophy, we have to be kind of pioneers in how we create, you know, garments that look beautiful and effortless, Mm -hmm. but also really perform when it comes to fit and support. I think it kind of opened my eyes. I know on your guys's website, you have the ability to be able to see on that grid view, you know, back size with cup size, and it kind of demonstrated how many size variations that there are that you offer it must be kind of a merchandiser's you know like being able to make sure that you're in stock (laughs) in those the right number of sizes it must be a very difficult feat but also as you said for the grading and making sure technically that it fits all of those different sizes yeah fascinating when you really think about it and in terms of kind of seasonal calendar wise obviously you know in fashion apparel there are pretty standard set calendars which obviously over the recent years have shifted based on on trends within the industry but how does that apply to kind of lingerie and the lingerie consumer moments what does that seasonal calendar look like for you guys well it depends a little bit on the product that we're mm. developing in the categories that i look after which is everything from speciality bras so sports bras through to maternity bras through to post surgery bras collections are lingerie boutique which are kind of special more occasion products let's say all the way through to loungewear and sleepwear the critical path can vary radically on sleepwear it's a little bit more like you know an apparel business from a critical path point of view although where we're talking about bringing brand new fabrics 
to market. Of course, there is a fabric lead time, which is developing things from scratch, which I'm sure your listeners are all very aware of. Um, And there's a lot of complexities around sort of sourcing and can can be yarn development there. So that within sleepwear and loungewear, that can be quite complex, but equally it can be quite straightforward if we're just repeating product. However, for a much more technical product, such as bras or shapewear, we, we are often starting to brainstorm a couple of years ahead of the selling season, actually. Oh, yeah. We think about, because because we're the market leader in the UK and you know we are known for bringing new innovative ideas to our customer, we have to really think and brainstorm together collaboratively with our technologists, with our supply base to think about, you know, knowing our customer is really at the heart of everything we do. And having that knowledge and Mm -hmm. applying that to some of the new and emerging trends means that we have to really be very creative and entrepreneurial in our thinking about some of those forward planned ranges. So they can be up to a year ahead of the season. But then right now, you know, we're in the spring summer season. We're just about to start designing our summer 22 range at the moment, but we already have good ideas of our fabrics, our ingredients, our hardware. We may have developed elastics so that when it comes to designing those products, creating the tech packs, you know, doing the detailed bombs, actually we've got, you know, quite a few of those key features in place already. And what's great is that we can also react quite quickly. So, you know, although I believe that fashion trends are actually slowing down, you know, we've mm-hmm. all know what how important a seasonless seasonless wardrobe is and layering you know is really really key and certainly that sort of fast fashion vibe you know is is one element of the market still but I think there's much more interest in building a wardrobe of garments that just layer on your favorite pieces already so I think that is having some kind of impact you know back into the lingerie industry where it's um, allowing customers to be much more individual with their style so we're being much less reactive to trends mm-hmm. and much more providing great choice to our to our customers and allowing them to create create their own individual style so it means in a way from a technical point of view clearly there's a very rigid critical path we all have to adhere to to get the product to market but from a trend point of view it does mean that we're slightly less slaves to the fashion and trend calendar perhaps than you know we we have been as an industry you know in the last sort of decade or so which I think is quite liberating and I think is you know allows the laundry industry to do the right thing for customers which is to creating beautiful product that you know that women love to wear and will go back for time and time again. Absolutely. And it's like, it's the foundation of anyone's wardrobe, right? So you don't want to be a slave to fashion and sacrifice quality and comfort, which is so important in that product category. So on that kind of, I guess that topic of trend and kind of identifying, as you said, you know, you guys are really thinking ahead. What is it as market leaders they want that the consumer is wanting to buy into? You know, a lot of our listeners are familiar with the concept of, you know, where apparel buyers would go to cool cosmopolitan cities and for trend inspiration and and see what everyone is wearing on the street or in, you know, kind of at certain events. But I'm sure it's not as easy in your (laughs) area and field of work because it's hidden beneath consumers' clothes in most cases, unless that's not the trend. But how and where do you gather trend inspiration when it comes to lingerie design? 
I think that's a really good question. And, you know, I think we do have to have a global awareness of what's Mm -hmm. happening in the laundry market. Uh, Marks and Spencer, we we trade in America, we trade in Australia, we we have a website for the Japanese market. So it is really important that we have an awareness of what's happening Mm -hmm. globally. And so, yeah, I mean, we have, I mean, what's, what's been very interesting whilst we've all been locked down is how we access trend information as well and how we tap into what's going on on globally and of course social media you know has given us everyone not just you know people working within the industry but has given everyone access to what's happening globally so it is really important as designers that we we are aware of what's going on in the world whether we're physically Mm -hmm. going to those cities or whether we're you know virtually visiting on websites or through social media but I think in addition to that I think having a very very close relationship with your supply base is absolutely critical you know we work with uh, M&S we work with amazing supplier partners mm-hmm. who we handpick and we have a very close working relationship with and you know at having access to their creatives and their thoughts and ideas and building you know concepts together is really really important having access to some world leading lace and embroidery companies for an example who are the same people that are working with you know some of the couture Women's wear designers, let's say that, you know, have got some amazing ranges. You know, we're working with some of those experts and some of those suppliers. So having access to their creativity with a market leading view viewpoint has been really invaluable, you know, to us to, to, to make sure that we're super on trend and we've got access to all of that incredible creativity. So, um, yeah, travel's important, you know, having supply base intel and a closeness with your global yeah. supply chain is key. But equally, I think just sort of stepping back and looking at macro trends is mm-hmm. really important. At M&S, we're very lucky. We have a, a central macro team that we work with very closely who, you know, look at not what's going on purely on, in lingerie. In fact, that's a small part of their role, but what's going on in, in the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And at Marks & Spencer, of course, lingerie is one part of our clothing, beauty and home offer. So we have to really consider not just what's happening in lingerie, but also what's happening in, in the broader MS, which um, you know, often is fantastic because it provides us with opportunities where we can bring new family PJs to market, let's just yeah. say, or you know, join up on certain kind of looks and we can therefore present something amazing and unique for family. But the macro trend re- trend teams really help providers with the bigger picture. So what will customers mm-hmm. you know, be looking for in the future? And therefore, using that information, what do we believe you know, will be really, really key to our lingerie ranges? And then I guess lastly, outside of kind of future trends, it's about having that real closeness with your customer. You know, we have... I think last year, there's there's a jaw-dropping figure that I saw yesterday, which was that last year we had 350,000 pieces of customer feedback come into M&S wow. from customers. That's not just on lingerie, clearly, but we have, you know, everyone has a view about sure. M&S. And, yep. you know, we, we, t- we don't take those customer comments lightly. We listen to 
you know, every single one. And actually, in some cases, we have customer focus groups. We've just, uh, you know, we have con- constant contact with our customers on areas like post-surgery bras, for example, mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, we're, we're really getting the product right. And one of the, the ranges that we launched recently, which is called FlexiFit, was actually born completely out of customer feedback, where we launched FlexiFit Knickers several years ago, which was born out of customers saying to us, we absolutely want to buy knickers that we can put on first thing in the morning. They will stay in place. I can forget about them. And they are so comfortable that I won't think about them until, you know, when I take them off at the end of the day. And that, in line with what was happening in fabrics, allowed us to create our range of FlexiFit knickers using 360 degree stretch fabrics that allowed those knickers to be developed in a slightly different way that they would just be incredibly comfortable and stay in place. And from that piece of very valuable customer research, alongside our closeness with our supply base, a brand new you know, concept was born, which has now grown into bra ranges, loungewear ranges, all developed based around comfort. So I think it's, um, you know, you, you asked me about trends, and I think it's a combination of all of those you know, different avenues that we draw on to, you know, create our design direction for each season. It's so interesting, isn't it? Hearing, hearing about, you know, just through listening to your customer and actually really understanding what they want, you're able to develop these new and exciting ranges. And actually, they're the most important person at the end of the day. And yeah, I think that's a great takeaway for our listeners to have is that actually listen to your customers, gather their feedback and really understand what it is that they're looking for. I think as well, one thing that spoke really nicely to me was how you were talking about kind of relationship with your supplier base too. And we had Kelly Cortina, who's VP of Global Apparel for the North Face, come on and speak. And she was also talking about how important for them and development of their products it is, is working with that supplier base and having that close relationship so the fact that it's not just specific to lingerie or to kind of technical outerwear and apparel those are important things to to take forward so you've spoken about a combination of these different elements that you draw on inspiration from M&S in developing product and what the consumer wants but what is the influence of runway on lingerie design and to your trend signals I think that's a really good question. And I think that what's interesting, particularly looking at the last runway collections, mm-hmm. is that more and more, I think that brands are really defining their own style. If I look back to runways, you know, six, seven, eight years, I think as designers, we would all say oh, green is a big colour or blue yeah. is a big colour. And everyone is doing this. And we kind of respond on the high street to what was happening, you know, in, on runway. And I think it's still a very, very important influence for sure. But I think there's a couple of things going on. I think, you know, trends are definitely slowing down. But in addition to that, I think brands are really, you know, defining what their identity is more and more so and, you know, defining who their customer is and developing things and looks that they know that their customers will love whilst also pushing the fashion dial. So I think it's less about, you know, overriding statements now and actually being inspired by what's happening, you know, by other creatives, other designers and what's happening. Of course, there are macro trends that happen. You know, we're all tapping into the same information. We all have those 
kind of creative antennae up all the time. So we're tapping into lots of different things. And, you know, through lockdown, we've all been watching the same kind of Netflix, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so being inspired by the same kind of trends. But sure. I think it's how people are interpreting them in their own unique style, which is incredibly important right now. Having said that, I think one of the key things from a lingerie point of view is having a sharp understanding of what's happening in silhouette. Because, Mm. you know, one of the big things that's happened is a massive move away from that kind of curvy hourglass figure and actually towards a much more natural silhouette so Mm -hmm. the increase in dresses softer dressing the more feminine silhouette being an antidote to all of those kind of hourglass figures and those kind of really strapped in silhouettes (laughs) and that absolutely has an, an influence on the kind of lingerie that you know, that women will want to wear. So when I think about, you know, dresses which have come back on trend, haven't they, in many people's collections, Mm -hmm. including ours and on runway, over the last sort of two or three years or so, I don't think they've reached their peak yet because, you know, women are just finding there's such an easy answer to, you know, everyday dressing. It's a one-stop shop for an outfit, isn't it? It's an instant makeover. But it does mean that from an underwear point of view, you know, it's less about push-up bras. It's less about nipped-in waists. It's much more about a natural silhouette. And, you know, it's more about a softer bra. And so there are yeah. definitely influences that happen from what runway that have a longer influence just than just a one-season wonder. It's fascinating to hear you talk about silhouette as, as an important consideration for you in your field. I hadn't thought of that, but I guess that makes total sense, right? You know, ultimately these women are having to wear this underwear under their chosen dress style or whatever it is that they're wanting to wear and and being able to provide them with the building blocks to that outfit and making sure that they feel comfortable. You know, I, I think about as well, you know, like dresses with even having like a slit in them, right? You know, having, and, and the fact that, you know, having kind of shapewear that maybe has varying leg length so that, you can still wear shapewear and and wear that dress style because actually that's what you want to wear. Totally. Um, And I think, I think it's interesting. One of the things that, you know, we've seen come through in mm -hmm. knickers, for an example, is is the return of the cycle pants. Um, That's, big outerwear category but actually this summer we've just launched some some gorgeous new knicker cycle pant shapes in all over you know cotton but also all over lace with a no vpl edge so it's that kind of product that you could you know we call it it's festival dressing isn't it a gorgeous dress with a lovely kind of you know cycle pant underneath and it doesn't matter if it shows because it's part of your outfit so I think you know we are thinking about the 360 we're thinking about you know what women will want to wear to kind of make make them feel great under their latest outfit and what's happening in apparel trends Mm -hmm. that will then have a knock-on effect you know to the kind of silhouette that you know we need to create in in lingerie the bralette is another great example of you know women wanting less underwiring less padding less push-up and um you know first absolutely made a big entry in social media little triangles sewn together on instagram looks amazing on a still shot not so great if you're a 36 double d let's say so you know, our challenge when we first developed bralettes was how do we take that trend of softer dressing and, you know, that gorgeous <laughs> aesthetic 
which which also was coming from runway with sheer addresses and mm-hmm. little triangles being worn underneath. How do we take that trend and make sure that we can deliver a product to our customers that will go all the way through our size offer? And when we did that, we created a bralette which went all the way through to a G cup, and now it actually goes beyond. And it's become a customer favourite. It's got, you know, it's really has, it's, it's our Louisa Lace bralette and it has been an absolute customer favourite. I can imagine. I know that feeling all too well myself. I remember <laughs> doing all this research because, you know, it must have been about uh, many years ago, but my friends would all be wearing bralettes and where at the time I had a much larger bust, I was wearing, you know, like a G or an H cup. And I was like, I'm desperate to wear, you know, like a pretty feminine bralette, but they're just, it wasn't out there on the market. But how exciting that that's based on that trend, that that's the kind of product that you're able to offer that in such, yeah. um, you know, wide variety of sizes. Yeah. And I think, I think that's part of the, you know, again, that's one of the things about MS that I love. It's about mm-hmm. our inclusive, you know, ethos that we take a trend and make it available to as many women as we poss- possibly can do. And a, the bralette is a really good example of that. So, you know, we have styles where they may go from an A to an E, and then we also have E to H, you know, which again have a slightly different way that we construct those bras, even our bralettes, so that you still get that confidence and support, but a lovely aesthetic. Totally. I think it's that concept, isn't it, as well? Like, you know, you can't be discriminatory with trends, right? Just because you've got a certain body type or body shape doesn't mean you don't want to wear that trend or, or be in that. And I guess, you know, one of the things that we saw coming off the runway was the concept of, of dopamine dressing with bold and bright color off full winter 21 shows being an important for 2021. How in lingerie are you seeing consumers react to color? Are you seeing bolder and brighter mood boosting colors performing well? And, and kind of how do you see that playing out for the rest of this year? Actually, it's very, colour trends are very interesting from a lingerie point of view, because I think that purchasing lingerie is, it's such an intimate purchase. Mm -hmm. And actually, it can be quite a playful purchase. And I've always, you know, felt that you really cannot judge what kind of lingerie that any woman is wearing by looking at her clothing. I mean, you know, I could look at a customer and think you're a very conservative dresser on the outside. That's how you like to present yourself to your friends, your family, your colleagues, the world. But actually you could be wearing something that is bright teal green and very lacy and actually has crystals all over it underneath. And that's all about personal choice, which I think is fantastic. So of course, you know, it's brilliant to see those, you know, bright colours back on the catwalk. But I think, you know, it's brilliant for for women to be able to have the personal choice to Mm -hmm. wear something that's quite neutral. You know, lovely grey marl is kind of very much very much back also because of that casual sporty aesthetic. Mm -hmm. But we've seen we launched a brand actually towards the end of last year, a sub-brand called Boutique, which was very much tapping into the return for kind of playful, flirty looks in, you know, a really accessible way. And actually, we really wanted to play with colour because we felt it's buying lingerie is it's an accessible, affordable treat. It's not like buying a whole yes. outfit, buying, you know, a bra and knicker can be, you know, something which is an easy kind of, you know, payday treat, let's just say. It's an easy pickup and a you know, a feel good factor. Mm -hmm. So we brought Boutique to the market last year and it has been a resounding success. And interestingly, in lockdown, when we were also seeing, 
you know, the, the, the importance of non-wide bras and crop tops and bralettes and sports bras being really, really sought after by our customers. When we brought this new sub-brand to the market, it went off like a rocket from day one because I think, you know, women were just cut really hungry for that, you know, more joyful, more kind of playful, more colourful lingerie too, a bit, a bit of a treat. So that's gone from strength to strength. We've recently launched a collaboration actually with Dan Morris Evans, lingerie designer, who again has done a collaboration with us for our boutique range. And there's more of that to come through summer, which is exciting. And that is all based around her signature handwriting of bright colours. So she loves to play with colour combinations. Yeah yellows greens bright cobalt blues bright pinks with lilacs so you know that has been it's been very interesting to see you know as that has launched again that's been received brilliantly by customers and I think people are just looking for that you know that uplifting kind of positive little treat aren't they and colour just does that it's a joyful treat it really does I think you know everyone's kind of worn a lot of neutral colours and blacks whilst they've been at home and yeah it's it's just everyone's more excited I think about what the future holds and and hopefully exiting this pandemic. So I guess in the last few years Edited has seen kind of comfort and functionality leading at the forefront of lingerie trends. Our data kind of indicated that sellouts of bralettes and sports bras eclipsed push-ups by 382% and 162% in the UK and US respectively. What factors do you think have contributed to this change in, in consumer preference? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd really agree with your data, actually. You know, broadly speaking, we've, you know, our, our reliance on those sort of push-up bras to create a silhouette has gone r- right down. And yeah. we've really, you know, as, as as women, as customers, you know, we've really <laughs> thought about comfort over everything else, I think, haven't we? I mean, accelerated by the pandemic and lockdown mm-hmm. and spending so much time at home. But I think that the trend for bralettes, for non-wired bras, for sports bras, has been growing over a number of years. And then it has absolutely accelerated in the last year or so, for sure. I guess a couple of factors. I think that, you know, there's, there's been a, some advances in technology in the way that we make bras, mm-hmm. which has allowed us to create shape and support without relying on heavy padding and wires. So I think that has, you know, definitely shifted the emphasis away from necessarily always being about traditional wire, mm. creating the frame of a bra. The second thing is that I guess, you know, I touched on the natural silhouette. I think, you know, you don't necessarily need a push-up bra to create a silhouette if you're wearing a slightly more billowing blouse or, you know, mm-hmm. the emphasis is all on the shoulders, for an example, or, the, or higher necklines. So I think, you know, that has really driven softer silhouettes and more non-wide styles. And then also, I guess, when it comes to sports bras, with such a massive focus on well-being, yes. you know, and keeping yourself more maintaining your health and your well-being has, again, accelerated in the in the pandemic. And I think whether that means you know, you're just walking around the block or whether you're doing, you know, a little bit of Pilates whilst you, you're kind of turning your video off on screen, let's just say. Yeah. <laughs> or whether you're, you know, doing an aerobics class at yeah. home, you know, virtually. I think having a really great sports bra, you know, has really come to the fore. Mm-hmm. And, 
I think that, you know, it's become really apparent that wearing a great sports bra, whether it's medium, high or extra high impact, actually provides amazing comfort. And we know that some women love love wearing sports bras so much. They just wear them every day, regardless of whether they're doing sporting activity or not. And it's a trend, right? It's a fashion yeah. trend. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, we have we have the American fashion stars to thank for that trend, really, you know, growing once again with that kind of sporty look and that athleisure kind of trend still continuing in the marketplace. So I think it's definitely about well-being, but I also think it's about trends and actually women, you know, feeling really confident and comfortable wearing sports bras every day. Yeah, it goes back to that kind of that theme of casualization. Like I was talking about this, you know, with colleagues before about the fact that you would never have actually, you know, maybe even last year or two years ago thought, oh, I feel absolutely fine going into the office wearing, you know, tracksuit bottoms and, you know, leggings. Like it's just the the style has evolved and, and you feel more confident and comfortable wearing that type of product. It's not deemed as too casual or, you know, too relaxed and not appropriate to be wearing out and about like you would with other types of product categories. And I think it's that blend, isn't it? There's a lot of you know, hybrid style, high-low dressing, you know, is the old term. But I think, you know, it's wearing a a jogging pant, jogger pant, perhaps with a little heel, you know, it's quite cool, or a dress with a pair of trainers, of course. It's that blend of things which really does that high-low dressing or, you know, casual formal together that I think is, you know, creates that acceptance that it's, you know, it's totally okay to wear a sports bra every day. Um, Exactly. and, and, and And it's, you know, and it's also really fashionable. But I think equally... You know, we have brought a lot more colour, mm-hmm. print, style to the sports bra market. And, you know, we're in our apparel business, we launched our Good Move sports range, and that has gone from strength to strength. And in our bra business, we work very closely with our women's wear colleagues to make sure that mm-hmm. colours and prints all work together seamlessly into one really great look. So the customer can buy a matching bra, you know, to her legging or to her top if she wants the total outfit. So I think, you know, style, if I look back to the last, you know, 10 years ago, sports bras weren't particularly contemporary in their aesthetic or their colours. But today, you know, they're, they're absolutely bang on trend alongside the trend for Santoni and seamless bras and tops, you know, which are great for kind of low impact sporting activity like yoga but again can be worn every day as a great you know kind of easy pull-on comfort bar yeah I think it's it's fascinating isn't it about the the kind of market size of sports bras and how that's grown just again with also like lifestyle and wellness shifts and people you know it's such an important part of everybody's routine now and also just increased participation in women's sports which is so exciting but I guess when we're looking at kind of our latest report and we saw in the data that sports bars stocked in the UK market alone have increased 42% year over year. Could you talk our audience through the critical design considerations that need to be made when it comes to designing a sports bra and when it comes to maybe fabrication, functionality, sizing, what insight could you give there? Yeah, I think it's really critical on sports bras. I mean, they have to work. They yeah. have to perform. It's really, really important that, you know, that that women's breasts are, you know, minimising the bounce within mm-hmm. um, any sporting activity. And to do that, 
choice of fabrics, the way we construct the bras together, those two things are absolutely critical to create a bra that that works to minimise bounce. We've worked with some really interesting people actually Mm -hmm. over the years when it comes to creating our sports bras. And we've looked, you know, outside of our own business and partnered up with Asahi in Japan, working with some um, Japanese scientists on looking at how the body actually moves in a variety of different sporting activities to then map out which components and fabrics would actually be best placed to create a really great extra high impact sports bra. That's one of our best sellers now, still a few years on. Wow. We work very closely with Loughborough University, mm-hmm. who have amazing science based around sports yeah, and working our technical teams work very closely with them to create some of our, you know, new products too. So it's very important that we blend the science back with the style. And you know, I think some easy things that are quite, or some some simple, straightforward things yeah. that are quite easy to forget is how do you easily get a sports bra on? Because a lot of those fabrics have a lot of performance, a Mm. lot of, you know, there's a lot of stretch in there, but they also have to really work and a lot of modulus in the fabrics that we choose. So designing the garment, so when you put it over your head, you're not kind of stuck and you can't get it off. (laughs) Um, It's really important, whether it's lots of multi-strap backs or whether it's a, you know, a zip front. One of our most popular sports bras actually is a zip front sports bra and I think that one of the reasons is it's got great shape and support but equally you know it's a front fastening bra so it's easy to kind of you know get on and get off particularly if you've done a you know high impact workout and you're a little bit sweaty yeah taking that sports bra off you want to get off as quickly as possible and you know jump into the shower so thinking about those really the end to end wearability of sports bra bra products is really important when we you know think about developing new ranges It's fascinating how you said how about you've looked at the different sports or the different movements are created and then marrying that with the right fabric for that type of activity. I didn't even realize that that level of detail goes into sports construction, which is yeah fantastic. So I guess with the increased application of technology in lingerie markets, and I know you've obviously, you've mentioned your FlexiFit, you've mentioned also there's the MS body bra. What do you feel like are the most exciting technological and fabric innovations that are going on in this space for lingerie right now? Well, I think one of the things, you know, we've just touched on is about well-being and wellness. And I think the opposite of doing high impact sporting activity is, you know, we know that getting a really good night's sleep is really important to yeah. your well-being. So <laughs> we actually have within our FlexiFit fabric, so that 360 degree stretch fabric, we've actually recently launched a sleep bra, our first sleep bra. Wow. And that has been designed to um, you know, help you get a really good, comfortable night's sleep, which is, and it's designed using FlexiFit fabric but also incorporating some invisible bonding techniques sandwiched between two layers of fabric. So there's nothing to 
rub against the skin or feel uncomfortable whilst you're sleeping but it just gently supports the breast whilst you're sleeping so you know hopefully will actually aid a really good night's sleep and that has been really popular we did a small trial at the beginning of the year we're excited to see that coming back in stock in summer we've had some rave reviews about the product we've developed it all the way through the size range as well and we've got more of those products to come so that's dead exciting equally i think there's a bit of a revival actually in looking at natural fabrics i mean that mm-hmm. you know our customer absolutely loves cotton and we have just recently launched a range called Body Cool Comfort Cotton, which combines a technology to uh, which makes you feel comfortable and cool all day long in bras and knickers, but combines that onto beautiful Supima cotton. So best cotton in the world, beautiful quality cotton. And, you know, again, it's all about hybrid trends. So the logo elastic from taking from the sporty trend has absolutely been so, you know, uptrending recently. We've combined cotton with technology in terms of innovation called comfort and applied the sporty logo elastic of body within that. So it's combining style, innovation, fabrics we know that our customers will love and making those feel really modern. So I'm dead excited about revival of, you know, those more natural fibres as well, also with a modern view and a modern aesthetic. That's really dead exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious about this sleep bra and and the fact that because there's, I guess, there's always been a bit of a myth that you shouldn't really sleep with a bra on. Are you seeing, you know, certain sizes gravitating more towards that sleep bra because they're demanding more support in that process? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And originally, we did actually design it for uh, the larger cup size mm. customer. As we were developing the product and we were talking with lots of women, women who were 34B, 36C were like, I really want one of those. So we we broadened the offer and we've developed, you know, one which is an A to E and one which is is up the size range too. So slight tweaks in the way that we've developed the product. But again, it's about being, you know, really inclusive and bringing that customer to, you know, that, that product and that concept to all of our customers. When I say sleep bra, it's actually a pull-on product. So it has the aesthetic of a crop top, the kind of comfort and separation through the bonding technology invisibly sandwiched on the front part of the bra, but it's a crop top back. So when you when you lie on your back, you know, in bed asleep, actually there's nothing to to dig into you at all. It's a very easy pull-on product. Wow. Yes. Cause it's that thought of, you know, like the hook and eye and like, you know, that digging yeah. in at the back, nobody wants that, do they? But, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, I'll have to have a look at that myself. <laughs> so obviously from Oprah to the New York times, there's kind of that infamous stat that 80% of women are wearing the wrong bra size. And I'm sure that keeps you up at night, Susie. So what is the importance of the bra fitting process and and how are you guys adapting that experience in the kind of major growth that we're seeing in e-commerce right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we all feel is that we've put on weight through lockdown, right? (laughs) It's It's inevitable. um, (laughs) inevitable. And, you know, I think that the the, the figure that you just quoted, you know, that Oprah uses Mm. often is, is a similar figure that we would also resonate with, with, you know, we talk about that consistently and have done for many years. But in a way, it's kind of not surprising because as women, our bodies change through life and through, you know, events, through um, growing from your first bra all the way through your life, different life stages, your body is bound to change. So I think the most important thing is for customers to regularly get fitted. You know, we're lucky our stores have opened again. So, you know, we do have a free bra fitting service in 250 stores right now. But equally, we do have a, a virtual fitting service available online. So we've adapted to, you know, customer demand for one to speak to our bra fitters online too. And we do also have some guidance to which we call a bra calculator, which can allow you to do your own fitting. And we'll also guide you not just to your size, but also to the shape that's going to be right for you. Because, you know, a great fitting bra isn't just about the measurements. It's also about the shape and silhouette of the bra that fits your individual frame. So for an example, in general terms, a full cup bra will fit most women. That will be a really great fit, we find, at MS. A balcony bra actually is great for women with broader shoulders. That's a really great fit. And a plunge shape, which is our second most popular silhouette, actually is really, really great for women with slightly narrower shoulders. And, you know, getting the size accurate and also the style will ensure a really good fitting bra. But We've had phenomenal demand for our bra fitting service, both online and also in stores. And, you know, we we really encourage customers to book an appointment uh, and get that service because it will, you know, it's it's likely that you will have have changed shape. Pregnancy, of course, you Mm -hmm. know, your body will have changed shape then, not just your bust size, but your rib cage. So really important that you're wearing the right size bra and, of course, through nursing. But any weight gain or weight loss will not only just affect your body shape, but also your, you know, your breast shape and size and therefore your bra size. So, you know, it's a free service. I just recommend to get fitted regularly. Definitely. I'm sure there's a lot of people that will be sat there thinking, oh God, does this actually fit me properly? (laughs) Sign me up. But I guess just from your unique experience as well, like why is it that you need a a great, like why should the bra be fitting perfectly well? Like what are the pitfalls of not having the right size bra on? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, the first one has to be comfort. You know, everyone knows that if you have a bra that's really, you know, tightly fitting Mm. on your rib cage, you cannot forget about it, you know, all day long. And it's the first thing you want to take off when you walk through the door. That shouldn't be the case with a bra, with a great fitting bra. It should feel that, you know, when you've put it on, it's comfortable enough to take you through from the beginning to the end of the day. So getting a great fit is really imperative to that. And so comfort is number one. And I think number two is just it will make your clothes look better. So, you know, if you're wearing a bra that's too small, so you might have double busting. So you're slightly spilling out over the top. Mm -hmm. If you're wearing a T-shirt, you know, it doesn't give you a really great line with the T-shirt. 
Equally, if your bra is digging in at the back, again, you know, you can get, as we all age, our body shapes change, you know, you don't get a smooth line. So having a, a bra that just looks kind of seamless under your clothing will make your clothing look better. It's, it's that simple. And I think it's also about confidence. You know, wearing yes. great pretty lingerie can be a real confidence boost, can't it? Because you know what, you know, what you're wearing under your clothes and it's the first thing you put on at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. So and it can be a real confidence boost too. So I think that's why it's really important to wear, you know, the right fitting bra at the right shape and something you just love. I mean, yeah. you know, enjoy. Andre is there to enjoy, not just for. <laughs> Definitely. And, and kind of off the back of that, like enjoyment and, and feeling good. One question I really wanted to ask you is obviously off the back of COVID, we're seeing sexy dressing really emerging as an antidote to loungewear. And we've actually found that new product arrivals described as sexy have actually increased by 30% in the past three months. How do you see this playing out and the impact on the lingerie market? That is a really interesting one because I think that I'm not necessarily seeing it as an antidote to loungewear. Yeah. I think it's actually an accessory to loungewear because yeah. I think what's exciting is where you are blending, you know, a jogging bottom perhaps with a, a little hint of lace yeah. or, you know, some little bralette which is worn underneath, you know, a sweat top or a hoodie. I think it's that combination mm-hmm. of that high-low dressing again, which is actually quite, you know, tr- on trend right now. But for sure, sure I think there is a real renewed interest in lacier looks we're seeing a big return to embroidery which hasn't been really on trend for quite some time we've seen a decade of lacy looks and the looks that you can create using embroidery you know are infinite there's some amazing developments in innovation in embroidery happening within the embroidery market globally, digitally printing embroidery, for mm-hmm. example, that we've launched in our rosy range is, you know, brings a whole new look and feel to that, you know, more sassy, sexy uh, lingerie look. So it's, I think, gone are the days of, you know, red, frou-frou, satin, and, you know, hello to the days of actually much more individual you know approach to sexy looks and you know I always feel that what is sexy to one woman is definitely you know can be very different to another so you know I think some people may be saying they bought a sexy piece because it's sporty some Mm -hmm. people may be buying the sexy piece because they see it you know see it's lacy some people might just buy a fun and flirty look and they think that's sexy to them so I think what's really exciting is that yes, there is a revival of those lacier looks, those yeah. embroidered, those more embellished looks, and that's absolutely fantastic. But I think sexy is such an individual moment, an individual choice, sure. that it's a much broader than how we used to classify it within our industry. And that's exciting. That's really exciting. It's it's, yeah. it's challenging when we're trying <laughs> you know, to quantify things for sure. But I think to some degree, the rule book is kind of out of the window because as women, as consumers, mm-hmm. you know, we're now choosing ourselves what we want to, how we want to dress, what we want to wear, you know, and how, how we want to feel. Totally. It's almost like that rule book's been thrown out the window. It's not just black and red and lace. And also the fact, like, as you said, people are having their unique perspective and view. It comes back to kind of, I guess, diversity and inclusion of opinion on what does sexy really mean. So yeah, that that's that's fascinating. Did you guys see any like notable consumer shifts over Valentine's Day, which I know is such an important moment in the lingerie market? 
Yeah, well, I think timely, our boutique launch for sure. Yes. So customers responded so well to that. We, you know, we had beautiful lacy pink looks. We had tattoo-inspired embroideries. Yeah. We had some some red pieces in there. Actually, you know, I think, I don't think it was necessarily just about, you know, the traditional a man buys something for a woman. Yeah. I think it was also self-gifting. I think it was a treat to, to yourself. And that's, you know, also what's exciting. And I think the old, you know, rules of Valentine's Day, again, are kind of out mm-hmm. the window, aren't they? Because I yeah. think it was also about buying something just for someone that you love so it could have been buying something for you know your your friend or your family or mm-hmm. uh, an aunt for an example and therefore you know pajamas were really really mm-hmm. you know pajamas loungewear was also still up trending around valentine's day but i think what's what's important is that you know is to have that breadth of choice and to you know i think what's exciting is that you know the, the rule book as you said earlier is out of the window and it's yeah. not you know there isn't a I have to go and buy a black bra <laughs> for my partner totally. <laughs> in, in any shape or form amazing and I guess moving forward we've spoken you know you've spoken about the fact that you know everything's out up for debate you know the rule book's been thrown out the window it's not those kind of stereotypical looks which you're seeing consumers necessarily gravitating towards you know I guess when it comes to millennials and Gen Zs, how do you see those tastes and preferences evolving and and what kind of white space opportunities do you still see existing within the market? I think with regards to, you know, our our younger customers, actually, I think they are definitely, you know, drawn to more sporty looks at the moment. Mm. I mean, that is definitely, you know, what is appealing and absolutely what is on, you know, on trend right now. But equally, I think, you know, I mean, everyone has loved the bralette trend. I think particularly, you know, the younger generation who absolutely are all over social media, you know, and if they... If people see it on social media, they want to go and buy it. And so for us, it's about taking those, you know, tapping into that consumer demand and being able to, you know, bring it to our customer in a really inclusive way. So I think the sporty looks, the bralette trend absolutely won't go away. I think the crop top mm-hmm. look and those Santoni seamless pieces, yes. which actually has been a very big trend for many many years, well over a decade in the American market, for an example, I think is now becoming a global phenomenon with, you know, the younger customer too. And, you know, but but I think equally, they are very much looking for a variety of different knickers. I mean, we haven't talked knickers. That's a whole other category where we see, (laughs) you know, a big revival of high high rise knickers. You know, say, you know, a few years ago, it was all about the thong and the low rise knicker in line with you know, low rise jeans, for example, but everything's on the waist now, you know, joggers are on the waist, jeans are on the waist, you know, so certainly that our younger customer particularly is looking for those contemporary, you know, high rise knickers, but always with a modern cut. So the revival of the high leg, we've just launched a a Brazilian knicker, Mm -hmm. which has got a really cheeky bum, but a very high waist. And those kind of shapes are appealing to our, our younger customers. When it comes to white space, well, I don't want to talk about any uh, things. Yes. <laughs> clearly, clearly do I. But I think, <laughs> but I think for, for, for us, I think it's very much about, you know, trying to anticipate consumer demand. It's very difficult to predict the future. Who would have known? Yeah. Let's rewind 18 months that we would have, 
you know, been 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 spending so much time at home, and that has driven huge white space. That has shifted the market and accelerated some of those trends very very drastically. So you know, I I, I think to some degree as designers, we all have to have a bit of a crystal ball. We all have to have a connect to our supply base and what's happening in technology, not just in terms of fabrics, but what's happening on you know technical development in the way that we are developing product ourselves. So three. 3D design, 3D fit, using those tools, which I think the industry is only starting to work with now, that we are taking baby steps as an industry into, you know, working in 3D, which is dead exciting, which will allow us, you know, to be more creative. I think ultimately, once as an industry, we've got over some of those technical hurdles, it's tricky in 3D garments to create that. It's tricky to really understand you know, the, the weight of the body on a bra in 3D design, for an example. But, you know, if I fast forward three to five years, I think that's where we will be as designers working in that space and it will become natural, you know, to us. So I think we're learning new ways of working and also, you know, new categories as, as you know, the market is shifting and the consumer is too. Totally. I think as well, just the kind of advancement in technology in terms of just product development process and, and the positive impacts that that can have also from a sustainability perspective as well. And like, you know, reducing the need for sampling and and the kind of those knock-on multiplier effects is fantastic. 100%. Um, so one kind of segment of kind of, I guess, the underwear industry is, is, is shapewear. And I know it's an interesting market that isn't necessarily seasonal or influenced by trend. But, you know, obviously we saw the launch of Kim Kardashian's Skim Solutionwear line and it was immediately praised for having such a diverse skin tone range. But aside from what we've seen so far, you know, what other major changes do you think there will be or could be that could disrupt this shapewear industry further? Well, it's really interesting that you, you know, reference Kardashian effects, which yeah. <laughs> we can't deny is, is a is a global trend. And you know, <laughs> I talked earlier about the move away from that hourglass mm. silhouette, which generally speaking, you know, I think is what's happening, a more natural shape. However, again, it's all about customer choice. And that hourglass silhouette, which is again, not natural for, for most women, you know, can be achieved with, with great shapewear. Yeah. You know, you know, that sort of nipped-in waist silhouette, if you're looking for that, that shape can be achieved by bodies or, you know, higher waist shaping knickers, absolutely for sure. And interestingly, well, probably not very interesting, interestingly and not very surprisingly, you know, sales of shapewear in the industry absolutely went in decline as we spent yeah. so much time at home. It will be interesting to see what happens in the market, you know, in the next 12 months or so as, you know, doors start to open and we all, you know, get outside more and see family and friends more. Let's see what happens to the shapewear market, you know, generally speaking. But I think one of the things that, you know, we've tried really hard at MS to do in every single piece of shapewear that we develop is to make it feel really comfortable. So even in our firm control shapewear, yeah. it act, when you, again, when you put it on, it actually has enough stretch and comfort and the way that we seam the garments or try and eliminate seams actually is that it feels really comfortable. And it's not something, again, that you can't breathe in. I mean, when we go back to old-fashioned <laughs> shapewear, which was using boning and layers of fabrics together, some of that still exists in the market. But, you know, modern women aren't looking for that kind of level of control 
control and discomfort to wear every day. They want to put something on that will boost their confidence, you know, create that hourglass shape perhaps, you know, and, and they, they can wear under, you know, a dress all day or all, all evening, mm-hmm. for example, to an occasion. So I think building in comfort, minimizing seams. So using, you know, some of the more recent technologies such yeah. as bonding, you know, free cut fabrics and, you know, Santoni technology, which has advanced massively in the last decade to yeah. create various zonal control elements is going to be really key alongside, you know, again, making sure that, that we've got the right shapes. So the revival of the cycle pant, for an example, mm-hmm. again, you know, see, it was once a very traditional shapewear piece now actually is a very integral piece, you know, within um, underwear dressing. So I think having an eye on silhouettes whilst also, you know, keeping pace with what's happening in technology to just ultimately create a really comfortable, supportive product is really key. Definitely. It's that discomfort element that always kind of, it gives you that fear, right? When you think, okay, I really want to wear shapewear with this particular outfit because I know it's going to make me feel more confident. But then it's like, how restrictive is that going to be? Am I going to enjoy myself? Am I going to feel, you know, am I going to be able to eat the lovely food that's on offer at this restaurant or, you know, the wedding that you're going to? No, but I think, as you said, the moving away and the bonding and the seamless technology there is, is really, really exciting. So breast cancer, you know, is the most diagnosed cancer in women worldwide, where it is estimated that there are will be 23.6 million new cases each year by 2030. So for women who have undergone mastectomies or make up such a big underserved population in the lingerie market, what do you think are the main issues that prevent the wide availability of these types of bras that are catered to these women and, and what kind of fabrics and design should we be aware of for this type of bra? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good, you know, point. I mean, let's let's hope that, you know, in the future, actually, we aren't selling any post-surgery mm-hmm. bras at all, because yeah. it's something that, you know, through great fundraising and amazing science, mm-hmm. you know, we can actually eliminate breast cancer. I mean, Definitely. that's the aim, right? But whilst whilst people are ha- having to, you know, unfortunately undergo surgery, it is really important that we have great, beautifully designed product that again, kind of, you know, is is fit for purpose, but also is confidence building and is really feminine. And actually we did, we, I mean, you've asked me about white space. We actually saw white space in this, in this market, actually way back in about 2005, I think it was when actually one of our customers who was a very loyal, regular MLS lingerie customer. She loved buying MLS lingerie. Yeah. She had to go under, undergo surgery. She wrote into our CEO at the time and said, you know, you don't have a post-surgery bra for me. I have to go to a niche retailer. I really want to buy it from MLS. Help me out. Wow. And we asked her you know, to come in. We listened to all of her points of view. Every woman who has surgery has an individual situation. So, you know, you have to be really mindful that every piece of surgery is different. But based on her feedback and then working with a number of women who were really passionate to give us feedback, (laughs) we created the High Street's first post-surgery range of bras, actually, which we launched in, I think, 2006 or so. And we've continued to develop and evolve that range over the years because, you know, in line with trend, the styles have changed, the needs have changed, mm-hmm. the fabrics have advanced so much. But I guess what underpins all of the products that we develop is, is two key things. One is 
an absolute obsession for detail when it comes to the comfort ingredients that we use inside every product, every bra. So the elastics are super soft. The yarns that we use to stitch the garments are really, really super soft. The way we construct the garments on the inside, the overlocking, for an example, is really, really soft. And we have cotton, regardless of what the bra looks like on the outside. On the inside, we always consider cotton because the customer loves having that next to the skin. So, you know, we talked about designing bras, you know, that kind of level of real detail and intricacy goes into every every bra, including post-surgery that we that we create. But the second thing is, again, it's around performance. So if a woman is, you know, perhaps she has, she's had one of her breasts removed and she's using a prosthesis, it's making sure that the pocket that we design on the inside of the bra ensures that that prosthesis stays in place. So the customer isn't worried about, you know, mobility or moving and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, something is, is showing under her clothing. So it's hoping you know we're really aiming to give the customer as much confidence back as we possibly can do and actually we've reviewed our ranges of post-surgery bras relatively recently yeah the whole range is available online and actually I looked last night because one of my team actually one of her teachers has just undergone surgery and was looking for recommendations and I was really you know proud to be able to say do you know what we've got 18 different options online that you can choose from including a new recovery bra which has been designed specifically for when you've just come out of surgery and it's very difficult to use your arms to get a bra on so yeah. again it's a fastening bra and all of those products we had you know, huge amount of customer listening groups and input and data to really help us, you know, inform how we design that collection. So all of our bra fitters also are very much guided into how to, you know, advise women, whether we have the full range in store or we don't. Regardless of that, they are very much advised to help women, you know, to find the right bra that will be suitable for their individual needs. As you said, it is such individual needs, right? And and what does one person want from, you know, and what's the surgery that they've had to go through? And I think the fact that you have 18 different options is fantastic. So one topic we haven't spoken in great detail about is sustainability. And it's been such an important issue within fashion. And we've seen major strides in specific categories, one of those being swimwear. So swimwear has seen 13% increase in the average price point in the US off the back of kind of eco-credentials and attributes that are being used in that product. But only 7% of underwear in the US is currently described as having sustainable attributes. Are you seeing more consumers demanding ethical products and sustainable lingerie lines? How are you seeing that consumer responding? And what fabrics and production methods are you really excited about? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a global trend. I think for sure, you know, the customer is becoming more and more aware of sustainability and also, you know, the the choices that they make in terms of their purchasing and how that is you know, impacting on on the planet, quite simply. But it's multifaceted. Sustainability is a very complex topic. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to lingerie, actually, you know, as I described at the beginning, there are an average of 20 to 30 ingredients that go into an average bra. So we are on a journey for sustainability. I feel very 
you know, proud, I would say, to work for M&S, who launched Plan A back in, I think, 2007, which mm-hmm. was a very bold statement about how we were going to set out our strategy for the next decade and beyond as, a, as an organisation. And of course, the lingerie group within a bigger organisation, you know, we play within those strategies. So things like cotton, you know, I talked about earlier, is a really key fabric when it comes to knickers, for an example, when it comes to sleepwear, and increasingly, I think, when it comes to bras, for an example. So 100% of the cotton that we use in M&S is sustainably sourced, including BCI cotton. We also use organic cotton, and in some cases, we used some recycled yarns as well. So, you know, that is an amazing thing to work within an organisation where we've got a very bold um, strategy when it comes to sustainability. But I think specifically within the lingerie world, more and more of our suppliers, our fabric, our componentry suppliers, are looking for recycled options, which is really, really exciting. So as an industry, I think the days of 100% recyclable or recycled bras are quite some way off, if I'm really honest. But what I'm really excited about is some of the great inroads that our industry are making in terms of, you know, helping us to create great ingredients that we can use when we're coming to make and, you know, then design and tech pack our bras. Some examples would be recycled yarns being used in lace. That's really exciting. Uh, There's some exciting um, developments in recycled cotton yarns, for example, that are coming into the market in terms of lace. But equally, I think that you know, it's the way that we design the garments that's really important. And we touched on 3D design earlier. And some of those ways that we work as designers and product developers, whilst it may not have the big marketing spin that perhaps the market is looking for, I think we all have a responsibility to play our part in terms of making sure that we're sampling efficiently, using our technology like 3D design to get to the answer without flying samples all around the world without, you know, making up 100 metres of sample meterage when we only need to make one garment, you know, and actually by using our technology in a really smart way to really try and minimise the wastage that is, you know, quite significant in the sampling process to to get to the end product. So I think it's about working smart as well as making smart choices in the ingredients that we use. Yeah, I think it's the customer really... I don't think is quite aware of what really goes on behind the scenes in terms of getting that product to market. And as you said, the process change that can be made that can have such an incredible impact yeah. on the ultimate sustainability efforts that a retailer is making. And totally. you- the other part of that is that at M&S, we, at every stage of our product development process, we have quality in our mindset. So yeah. we are designing and developing, you know, lingerie products that will last. So, you know, we're trying to think about, you know, eliminating that, What you know, wear it two or three times and throw it in the bin, which will yeah. end up landfill potentially and building quality into the ingredients we use, the way we construct our garments, the way the product is constructed, you know, the sewing techniques that we use. So building in, you know, quality that can be, you know, there you know, for, for many years, it's really important and part of our design ethos at M&S. And that is part of a sustainability strategy, for sure. That's absolutely integral to making sure that, you know, we don't 
you know, send all of our products to, to landfill. And of course, having a great strategy around, uh, you know, a swapping program, which is actually bringing your products back that can yeah. be then recycled, is also part of our whole sustainability program. So it's end to end. It's not just about the product development. It's the end to end process from start to finish. I think one thing I I recently saw is you're also, when you talk about end-to-end, is also offering certain types of products as well. I noticed your confidence knickers that you guys launched as well and and kind of the impact that those types of products can also have on the wider sustainability debate and, and impact is... I'm really glad you've seen those. They, yeah. they we have launched them recently. We haven't um, done a major marketing campaign on no. for Snickers, but they are a fantastic innovation. And we have developed two levels: one for sort of heavier flow, or one yeah. for lighter flow, and a few, you know, leaks. Let's just say. Yeah. And actually, you know, they are all about building confidence into your underwear drawer. Yeah. And you know, for sure, trying to for the customer who's not looking to use the traditional traditional form of you know period protections mm-hmm. actually these are really great choices and the technology the exclusive technology that we've developed in MS is absolutely second to none I would say I mean I'm being bold with that statement but it is fantastic and the reviews that we've had back from customers have been really really super positive so we're excited about that and we think it's the tip of the iceberg we think there's so I much bet. more in that space, you know, that we're really excited to develop, that's for sure. I think that space is really exciting to watch, even just in kind of period protection and the types of products that are coming out, you know, on that side of things, but also like in terms of how you, you know, products that you can wear. Fascinating yeah. to see how that works. Yeah, totally. and, and I also think, you know, you referenced the, the younger customer earlier. This is definitely something that's resonating, you know, with the younger wow, customer. Wow, okay. But equally, I think for women who perhaps have gone past menopause or are going through the menopause, actually, these are great solutions because, you know, women have said to us, I just go for a little run and I want a little bit of extra protection, yeah. you know, under my leggings or, you know, yeah. and I just want to have that little extra confidence boost. So, you know, that's why we kind of feel that they've got much more broad appeal. They are absolutely great for, you know, t- the period time of the month, but equally sure. they can be just worn as everyday knickers for a little bit of extra confidence. Definitely. Well, it sounds like an amazing product and one that I really want to look into in more detail because I just feel like that is such an underserved market and there's, there's so much opportunity there. But Susie, one thing we always ask our guests is what is the one thing that you would love our listeners to take away from this episode? Well, I think I think that it's really important to kind of understand the complexity of the lingerie business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I hope I've kind of demonstrated the think the breadth of thinking mm-hmm. that really we bring, you know, to every single product that we design. But I think equally it's all about collaboration. And I think, you know, you touched at the beginning, I think you called me a legend at the beginning. I mean, but <laughs> And I, I actually really, truly and passionately believe that it's all about collaboration and always has been. It's very much, you know, the word of the moment, isn't it? Working collaboration with people <laughs> to bring the best of design. But quite frankly, you really have to work with, you know, incredible suppliers who you have a great relationship with. You have to, you know, the designers have to have 
two sides of their thinking. They have to be thinking about the design and the aesthetics and a beautiful modern style. We're in tune with lifestyles too, alongside the more technical side of how you're develop, going to develop a product that fits. So I think definitely, you know, it's all about complexity and collaboration. Amazing. Well, Susie, I feel like your passion for the industry is infectious. <laughs> and it's got me really excited thinking about, you know, the opportunities that still exist out there in this market. And, and thank you so much for such an interesting insight into the lingerie market. So thank you Absolutely. so much for Absolutely. coming on. I've loved it. As a listener of ours, we're here to support you throughout 2021. If you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist, and they'll do everything they can to support you. For all of our listeners, ensure you're subscribed to our insider briefing. You can sign up at edited.com, where we'll be keeping you all updated on the latest news and strategies. And if you've enjoyed today's conversation with Susie, please make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with future episodes. And please tell your family and friends about us. And if you have any further questions, you can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or give us a tweet at edited underscore HQ. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye.